A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I saw hurlers. I saw hurlers who can hurl and who have given us everything, everything we've asked them more over the last number of weeks. A team that has been written off, thrown to the side, 7 to 2 against 1 to 4. These men showed balls, they showed heart, and you can't beat that. When you don't have the ball, you get it back. When you have the ball, you give it to the guy in the best position, you do your best with the ball. When we play that game, we, we make mistakes, we know that. But you die in the effort to train. If you make a mistake, so be it. You get the next ball, you make the next one. Mistakes don't matter to us. We want the guys to attack every single ball like it's their last. That was a very emotional uh, Damon O'Sullivan after yesterday's stunning Munster Championship opener in Simple Stadium Thurless with Cork defeating the All-Ireland Champions Tipperary. John Fogarty was there for us in the Irish Examiner. And uh, John, the emotion still running high on Lee's side on this Monday morning. Yes, and so it should be, Colm. Uh, after a victory like that in what was quite an outstanding game, they have every right to milk it for the for the next few days. Anyway, um, you could you could see what it meant. You saw on the front page of the Irish Examiner what it meant to Damien Cahillan, a man who has been uh, much maligned over the last while, but had a fine performance against Callanan. Like Callanan didn't have a bad game whatsoever, but. You know, to draw a level with, with, with a player of like James Callanan is something to be proud of and it was a performance to be proud of from a Cork perspective. Um, yeah, it, it, listen, after the difficulties that they've had over the past couple of years and how much they've been written off, like there's a, there's, there's a story for every player on this Cork team and um, every one of them would be very interesting. And what, as I mentioned in my match report, what, what impressed me so much about them was that there was no fall, fall guys. You know, obviously Luke Mead went a little bit out of the game, but what an outstanding first half he put in. They dovetailed so well. And they played they played they, they, they played fifteen on fifteen, which suits Cork. It doesn't suit everybody, obviously. You can see with Wexford and Watford that they're making inroads by playing um the sweeper system, but it didn't suit Cork last year and the last couple of years have been write offs, but this this has been quite incredible. But Cork being Cork um, they'd want to settle down now over the next few days because as much as they have four weeks until the Watford game, Watford is going to be a different game on entirely. People talking about Watford not having enough up front to win in All-Ireland. Well, Stephen Bennett scored a hat-trick of goals in the challenge match the other night, albeit against Offaly, but 
you know, it just suggests that Stephen Bennett could be the, the guy to really take it on for Watford this year and they'll have no fear of Cork whatsoever and it's it's a thing, as as emotional as this game has been for them, they're going to have to get themselves or dust themselves down over the next couple of days because, uh, you know, Watford will only love to take their scalp. Okay, we'll be coming back to all of this a little later in the podcast with Michael Moynan. Just about, as you said, the the hype and expectation that is now surrounding Cork. And after all, this was just one game, uh, a quarterfinal in the Munster Championship. But uh, some of the talk around Leeside this morning, you'd swear it was uh, September and an All-Ireland title. Want to ask you about Tipperary. Where now for them? What they like, I, I don't want to be t- too critical to call him after a game like that because it was a privilege to be there, a privilege to work, to be paid to watch a game like that yesterday. So I don't want to be too crit- critical of Tipperary, but as All Ireland champions, the crown certainly weighs heavy. Um, I certainly thought that the, the Galway game was an anomaly, but clearly it isn't. Uh, they were lulled into a you know, you could almost argue they were a little bit arrogant in being lulled into a, a shootout and thinking that they were going to beat Cork in those terms. And in, in fairness, most people would have expected them to win a shootout, but they weren't sharp enough. Um, it was it was obvious, like, you look at all of their games last year and each of the games, there was one standout moment when their physicality really shone out, like Brendan Maher putting, uh, I think it was James Ryan on, on his arse, Joe Canning being um, hit like he was by Porrick Maher in the final against um, Kilkenny, against Cork last year as well. The intensity hasn't been there for Tipperary in the last couple of games, hasn't been so since the Wexford game. And even at that, Wexford really put it up to them. It was only the goals really that that won that game for for, for Tipperary. And it it, it is quite concerning that that they have been flat as much as they put up a hell of a scoreline. The season isn't over for them by any shape or means. And if they get a favourable draw, like they will look at at this as an opportunity to uh, to reset themselves, recalibrate just like they did in two thousand and ten. But there are there are worrying signs for them in the sense that they were very lackadaisical at times as Michael Ryan said um, they lost out in the middle third as Park Maher said who uh, I think that Sunday game showed the last night was a bit lax in his duties as well and you know he, he'll uh, no doubt he'll face up to that himself this week and put his hand up but um, they uh, they let Cork dictate the, the terms of the game and when that happens you're usually going to lose Okay, we're going to come back to the Munster Championship, as I said, with Michael Moynihan in in, uh, a few minutes' time. A lot of other storylines from the weekend. We're going to turn our attention to the Leinster Football Championship uh, now. And incredibly, because of what happened in Simple Stadium, uh, Carlo's story uh, has has been uh, downplayed somewhat, but an incredible achievement for them against uh, Wexford in Cullen Park. Yeah, didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming at all. I was it was it the first it. first win in, in seven seasons or something of championship so, football, John? Yeah, I think 2011 was certainly um, speaking to Aaron Hoy, the loud selector. He um, last week he was mentioning that they were surprised Carlo pulled off even a bigger shock than they did with this one. Um, obviously, like they were playing um, Division Four. Um, Opposition, but in 2011 they beat um, Louth, who had just been promoted to Division Two, I think, at the time. So that would have been regarded as more of a giant killer, uh, killing feet. And um, this one, nobody saw coming. Everyone expected that once uh, promotion was attained by Wexford from Division Four, that they would, um, that you know, they they cooled the Jets a little bit themselves, and they thought they were, they, you know, it, it always seemed to me as if they were. 
they had set themselves up for Dublin. Like they were playing a lot of men behind the ball. They were only winning games by one, two, three points. You know, Carlo had put in a couple of good performances in Division Four, but fully expected them to be beaten. But here they, you know, I think John Dively, our new columnist, was only the, the the guy who would have predicted this. Obviously, some people in Carlo would have fancied themselves too. But now we have Carlo in Dublin, and uh, as much as I think everybody knows what that result is going to be. This should be celebrated in Carlow for the next day or two, what, they, what, what they've done against a really fancy Wexford side. Oh, I'd say a day or two will be spilling into a week or two, to be quite honest with you, John. Uh, all the talk, of course, at the moment about AFL and player poaching, etc. Must say, delighted to see a former AFL man, uh, Brendan Murphy, being so prominent for his uh, native county. And he's been waiting a long time for a day like this. Yeah, like Murphy, you know... <laughs> It's so, like obviously he he is their talisman. He's talismanic. He, he's he, he's a guy who would make most, if not every other team in the in, in the country. He's that good. Like he's shown himself at the international rules as well. Just how very much like Gary Brennan. He's you know he he's, he's shown himself to be a, a man of of great strength and, and and great ability. Like he's he's taken himself out of the panel on a couple of occasions as well but clearly he felt something was going on there I think he's around the 30 years of age mark now as well so time is getting on but this is a performance of his that will be will live long in the memory around around Carlo and you know I think John Dibley mentioned at the weekend just how 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 good a guy he is like he would have worked with him in Artville when they won the county championship in, in Carlo and Murphy he's an exceptional player like so often we see guys coming back from Australia and you know, not living up to the expectations or the promise that would have been in them. Um, but Murphy is a guy who has come back, just like Michael Quinn and Longford, uh, Chrissy McKagan, Derry, and is performing. And um, when 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 he is in tune, there's, there's few guys that can uh, that can compete with him. It'll be interesting to see now how he gets on against Brian Fenton the next day because that really is going to be uh, the the jewel of the game. You would imagine, like if Carlo are to keep. Dublin honest for, for, for long periods then you would imagine that Murphy is going to have to get the better of Fent OK you predicted Louth to uh, defeat uh, Wicklow um, they did that in Parnell Park but not as easy as the scoreline would suggest no, no, not. And like, as I mentioned, I spoke to Aaron Hoy, the loud selector last week, and he were mentioned the point that, you know, not that they were on hiding to nothing, but, you know, everyone expected them to win. Like Wicklow, you could argue, are at the bottom of the heap at the moment. And there's, they're missing. Their, so it's like, I think two of their defenders went to the States. Conor McGrainer obviously played with New York there the other week against Sligo. So... They're missing a hell of a lot of their, their best players as much as they do have Shawnee Furlong there and you know I think he scored four points um, in Parnell Park but Loud just got the business done I, I think it was a case of you know get the get the, get the, the win and, and, and let's move on for, for Meath um, because they won't need to raise themselves for that whereas this Wicklow game it might have been a bit difficult the, the favourites tag is not something that Loud are, are quite used to so it was as far as I'm concerned it was a case of getting the job done and as much as it was a little bit uh, too close for comfort they, they certainly did it and um, you know they, 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 they picked up a few scores they're missing guys like Andy McDonald obviously but there's still a little bit of depth there with Loud and they, they'll, they'll fancy themselves against Mead like 2010 still is very fresh in the memory there uh, now we were talking about Leash and the decline of Leash football on the podcast on Friday. Uh, did the business though in uh, O'Moore Park uh, yesterday against Longford? Of course, uh, that devastating six-minute spell. 
proving crucial. 4.15 to 16 points, as you expected, if not the margin. No, well, I, I tipped Longford, so I, I got that one wrong. It's <laughs> not the best of weekends at all. At all. But um, Leash, um, I, I was mentioning the, the, the over-reliance on Donny Kingston, but it was his brother, Paul, who came in with 2-1 there. And listen, fair fair dues. Like, it, it, obviously, Leash made the most column of, of that wind advantage in the first half. And, you know, they built on that. And, and Longford were always going to find it very difficult to, to, to come back there, thereafter. I, I did feel that Longford... You know, um, were the more balanced side, but obviously, you know, Leash felt that they had something to prove there after the last day. Um, um, they, 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 when I mean the last day, I mean the, the the relegation, and that will be very sore for them next year. For the, but for the time being, you know, it, it looked as if they had a bit of amnesia there at the weekend, and they showed what they are capable of. As I say, John O'Loughlin is a is a lovely footballer. Quigley in the middle, when his discipline is right, he's 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 excellent. But you know, if Leash are to, to make a, a real fist of things in this championship now, they're going to have to expect more from the likes of their their stalwarts like uh, Colin Begley. We mentioned Brian, Brendan Murphy as a guy who has come back and looked every bit the player he was or every bit, uh, you know, he's delivering on the promise that, he, that uh, was mentioned about him before he went to Australia. Colin Begley, for me, hasn't delivered on that. But, you know, this might be a, a bit of a... Not a swan song, but in the autumn of his intercounty career, he he might be just the type of guy you now to 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 lead Leash on because they do need, they certainly need more leaders and they need more from their older guys if they are to, you know, upset the the whole um, uh, what what you know what is the generally agreed to be the the the, the ranking or the, the the order of of the Leinster Championship. Like they're playing Kildare next, and everyone has Kildare as their number two at the moment. So, um, to to surprise them again, another derby they won't be. <laughs> They won't be put off by Kildare whatsoever, but um, it's 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 going to be Kildare going to ask a lot more questions than what Longford did at the weekend. Okay, we're going to head out west and we're going to look at the Connacht Championship uh, first round clash of uh, Mayo and Sligo. Before we hear your thoughts on the game, uh, let's hear some audio from our friends in Midwest Midwest Radio uh, talking to Mayo goalkeeper David Clark. It's just good to get the first one out of the way, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that, that we were all, this is all we were thinking about this game because this was last year we were caught badly here in Castlebar. Um, so we gave Sligo as much respect as we could and um, fairness to put it up to us. Uh, I thought we did well in the first half, you know, flat or not, but there was a, a tough breeze there and we fought well and we came in with a, vic- with a lead at half-time. Second half probably a bit disappointing for the last 10-15 uh, minutes when we got the goal and, and really kicked over a few points. So look, there's, there's bits that we're going to be happy with and there's a lot of bits we're going to need to work on. Obviously, you're always trying to prove game to game and go away, and so it is going to be a different uh, story. I think that the stuff during the week with it and all that can kind of affect the camps all the other Didn't hear a mention in the camp, to be honest with you. Um, you've got to concentrate on your own performance as you can deal with yourself so it's controllable all these the structure we're, we're told down through the years and um, so what somebody writes in the paper doesn't really you can't really control that and I suppose Aidan really came on there he showed his impact uh, the respect that he has within the group is is huge so uh, it's good to get him on Su- super sub to come on he made, he made an impact you know the, the couple of times he came on there in the game so look we'll uh, We'll do what we can control and we'll uh, try and push on. We've, I think, three big weeks now to Salt Hill and um, I suppose recovery and mindset changes from, I suppose, after the shower. Now, John, uh, just looking at this game, I saw the highlights of it on the uh, Sunday game 
last night and Mike Finnerty's match report uh, today, he pointed out that uh, anyone searching for definitive signs that this might be Mayo's year would have left Mikhail Park sorely disappointed yesterday afternoon. Last year's beaten finalists were unable to hit too many high notes in the process. Would you go along with that uh, that viewpoint? I, I would and I wouldn't in the sense, Colin, that, you know, who wants to see anything from Mayo at this stage? Obviously, everyone from a, from a Mayo persuasion wants to see them win and, uh, or regain the Connacht title. And, you know, they want to see that performance against Galway the next day out. But this LIGO team had a, had a you know, did a game already under the belt uh, in New York. Or obviously, you know, Niall Crew has mentioned in that the two... Um, the two-week uh, break uh, didn't suit them in, in any shape or form, but at least they had a game under their, their belts. Uh, Mayo didn't. They had a couple of challenges and that you now infamous challenge game against uh, Mead in, in, in Mullingar. We'll talk about that again, but um, Mayo, Mayo were on, again, similar enough to, to Lowe, were on a hiding to nothing. Mayo could have beaten them out the gate by 20, 30 points and, and you know people would still find fault with it saying that they weren't challenged or whatever. This is all hat to Mayo at this stage. Obviously, they had the likes of Fergal Boland who impressed now and um, made a couple of um, you know, inexperienced decisions here and there, but uh, he he was certainly one of the top performers along with Patrick Durkin there yesterday. Um, it's going to be a slow burn for 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 Mayo. Obviously, they're going to have to raise their games for Galway the next day, but um, we're not going to see the. I don't think we're going to see the best of Galway for uh, Mayo for a long time yet, for a few months yet. Anyway, if they you know they are going to be there or thereabouts, you would imagine the last four, the last eight, but. Um, they're uh, they're used to this at this stage, you know. Um, they're not going to show all their cards at once. Certainly not at the at the at the end of May. Uh, you mentioned uh, there, uh, John, and you have made mention of it in your uh, column tomorrow as well. That uh, infamous challenge game in Mullingar and uh, Aidan O'Shea's uh, selfie actions and the criticism from uh, Bernard Flynn. Is is this all just a a media storm in a media teacup? Ah, it's it's people jumping on on Mayo Cullum like they are the the they are they're they're fair game, but they're not just fair game. They're fairer game, um, more so than any other team out there at the moment. Like I think someone made a point on on social media last week that it seems to be Mayo players going back. You know, Mortimer, McDonald, and Le McHale. You know, all these guys seem to be. Um, you know, fair game, and Aidan O'Shea is, the, you know, he's the epitome of that for, for Mayo, and he seems to be getting the brunt of it now. You know, people will argue, yeah, he puts himself out there in the media and what have you. He's happy to take a few, a few quid, a few euro for 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 doing this and that. But the way I see it, everyone seems to be doing that. Um, the Dublin, almost everyone on the Dublin team at this stage, between the league and. Um, the championship has has made some sort of an immediate appearance, so I don't think that really washes. The other argument is that yeah, he doesn't have the All Ireland medal, and I made that point in the podcast last week. He doesn't, and that's why he is different to Michael Murphy. And I think O'Shea has said of himself that Michael Murphy is the is the more accomplished player. But O'Shea is what twenty six years of age this year. There's still so much left in the guy, and I just I I think over the weekend that it, it reached a silly level a preposterous level the, the amount of criticism um, going his way and um, I was not surprised and certainly a, a, any upstanding manager would do what uh, Stephen Rochford did after the game and, and defend his player because it needed to be done I think I think a, a line needed to be drawn and I would imagine um, 
um, you're, you're probably going to see a little bit more bulchiness from from Mayo in that in that regard over the next while, certainly in their media dealings. Okay, very quickly, uh, John, to wrap up uh, Ulster Championship, two games up there. You got both of these predictions spot on. Uh, wins for Monaghan and Donegal. Yeah, um, the, the the game on Saturday night. Uh, um, listen, it, I fully expected for Manor to put it up for them for a while, and, I, and you know the first half couldn't have contrasted more with the second half as Monaghan pulled away. And what will be most impressive for Monaghan is that their their main men up front, McCarran and McManus, weren't brilliant like obviously McManus got the goal in the first half and what have you but it was their it was their more unsung heroes you know that Colin Walsh got a lovely couple of points you know Duffy when he came on was very impressive Um Monaghan you know it, it, it was very similar to Loud very similar to Mayo it was a case of taking care of business and they certainly did that but there's so much more left in them Um I think they won't be as expansive um, against stronger opposition as they progress in the Ulster Championship but um, they sent out a signal there as did Donegal obviously against Antrim again you know I think Rory Gallagher said it in the in the examiner today that um, it was a Division 4 team against a, a Division 1 team and they fully expected to win and and they did I don't think the Matt Fitzpatrick uh, I said it last week I didn't think the Matt Fitzpatrick issue was going to um, distract Antrim in any shape or form I just thought that they were the inferior team and I think when you see results like um, uh, with, with the, the Loud Wicklow result when you see the Donegal Antrim result when you see the Man for Manor result I think it's even more uh, it strengthens the argument for a two-tiered if not a three-tiered uh, championship going back to Sean Kelly's time as president he set up a committee and they proposed um, something of this tiered championship uh, um, Derek Kanaja I believe was on the committee at the time and you know, we saw the the Tommy the Murphy Cup, which is no longer in existence, but it, it, it just wasn't backed enough. The the idea just wasn't followed through enough. But I think there is a growing no. there's a growing agreement uh, argument there and a growing um, school of thought, certainly among the weaker counties, that they are um, weaker counties and that they're going to have to be competing against one another. And there has to be a, a, some sort of grading in the championship as there is in the the league. Okay, John, thanks as always for your insight and viewpoints on the weekend action. We're going to head back now to Simple Stadium in Thurles and we're going to hear some audio from a very disappointed Tipperary manager, Michael Ryan. But I thought it was a cracking game of hurling. Uh, and to be fair to Cork, I thought they were excellent. I really did. Um, fine spectacle, you know, scores were absolutely flying in on both sides. Um, you know, did we go in at parity at half time? Was it 15 each? 15 yeah. And uh, look, you know, the, the big deposits, the goals, the second goal really, you know, put it that little bit of daylight. But I thought Cork energy trumped us a little bit, um, particularly in the middle third. I just thought they had a lot of ball and they, had, they seemed to have fresher legs. You missed a couple of goal chances at the start as well. That was a that was a big kind of turning point, wasn't it? Ah, well, look, you need to get them. You know, you need to get them to get a to get a win. You know, in a big game like a, a Munster Championship game against Cork. Um, but look, you know, this is Cork lads. You know, uh, you know, we we'd all we this time last year we were here. You know, saying it was a little bit, you know, they weren't themselves. But I'll tell you, they're back. You know, and I think we can take that as as a certainty. And uh, they'll, you know, look, they they go through into the Munster semi final. They play Waterford. Um, let's. I think it's going to be a very interesting year. Um, I, I, and I. I'll love to, rem- to be right sometimes but I told you fellas um, last September that next year was going to be a, a fantastic game, year for Hurling and so it is and so we've you know our lot now is that we have to find a, a new route um, you know and uh, look at the challenge is ours and we've lots of lots of soul searching to do um, 
But, you know, a couple of facts that need to be, you know, absolutely confirmed here. We have a super bunch of fellas down there. They care a huge amount about Tipperary Hurling. Um, you know, they didn't do anything wrong here today. They just came up against a really, really good Cork team and we weren't sharp enough. So we've worked to do, but look, you know, that's, I'm not shocked. Why weren't you sharp? Well, I, I just think, you know, I, and I, I'm not, this is by no means uh, an excuse, but uh, four weeks ago we got beaten by um, Galway and my point about it being... Um, we had eight games in ten weeks. We immediately t- immediately turned around, and for the bulk of our fellas, they had another two games, competitive club games, in the f- intervening four weeks. You know, I you know I think and look, every county's got a unique situation there, but we've certainly got something that we need to look at in terms of are our boys uh, allowed enough time in terms of preparation? And it's a very difficult, you know, delicate balance between you know uh, club and county, and we've got to you know we, we we've got to be fair to everybody here. But for me, going home, um, I'm just concerned for our boys that you know they've been on the go and on the go, and you know they, they certainly didn't look to me they didn't look fresh out there, fresh enough out there. We might have been concerned beforehand that the energy levels weren't where you wanted them to be. I was concerned when I saw the fixture list, Shane. To be honest, yeah. and and that's not that's not an excuse. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't emphasise that enough here. It's not an excuse, but I do feel for these fellas. You know, we pulled a session um, last week, not this week, last week, which was would have been down as being a work session for ourselves, purely, you know, because of what we were seeing in terms of um, load on the buys. But each and each, every county team are measuring, you know, in terms of uh, fatigue, rest, all that kind of thing for their teams, and everyone makes adjustments, um, but th- that one would have been in the back of my mind, you know, it was a it was a very fast leading time to this but guys, all I know, the point about this game here is, this was a cracking game of hurling out there today, we came up short, Cork were excellent, you know, we have a little bit of work to do, and we now find ourselves in a very scenic route, and God only knows um, who, who the opposition will be, and when that, you know, we, we don't, I, I certainly don't have sight lines on that yet, in terms of who it will be, and when it how good is that Cork team you know, compared to others you would have managed against or played against? I just thought the energy on that Cork team there today was as good as we've come up, you know, as anything that we have seen. Um, and I, I think, you know, the signs were there. Uh, I, we certainly saw them. Um, you know, maybe they didn't find that consistency throughout their league, but they certainly came all guns blazing there today. Um, and I'm sure you guys saw it as well. You know, I thought, yeah, we were in it and we, you know, we, we were, you know, within a point or two of them most of the time and it seemed to ebb and flow um, but they seem to have the greater energy and probably hunger you're, you're, you're in a similar position to what you were in 2010 lost to Cork you were in that dressing room can you, yeah. can you come back from that well, look, that's the challenge. That's the challenge, and you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too keen to draw too many parallels. Uh, we got a ten-point beaten that day, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, look, this is a real game of hurling um, out there today. Um, you know, there wasn't a golf uh, in class or anything going on there, but I thought just Cork trumped us. You know, for that middle third energy and you know intensity, it was theirs rather than ours. You know, and you know, I, th- I thought we were really sharp all over the field, to be honest. And uh, that was a very disappointed Tipperary manager, Michael Ryan there. Uh, a man that isn't too disappointed is sitting across the desk from me now. Uh, Michael Moynan has been going to Munster Championship Games for more years than he'd care to remember. Uh, Cork, Tipperary always holds a, a special place in his heart. Uh, Michael, wh- where would this, this one rank? Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, certainly in the top three or four, I'd say, from a Cork perspective, because uh, obviously Tip are heavy favourites. Cork starting to our three nineteen year olds expectations low, so yeah, I mean it was a uh, it was a great day if you were in red and white, obviously. What was your own expectation at uh, three o'clock on Sunday afternoon, keeping well, it within? 
I met Gerald Hockman and Henry Shefflin, if you can survive the name drop, and they were asking me for my Cork and they said I'd say respectability. If Cork were doing three or four points of tip at the end, and if, if a couple of the young lads survived, and um, Gerald was quite bullish about Cork's chances, actually. He thought Tipperary would be maybe not not as strong mentally as the Kilkenny of Henry Shefflin, but certainly that was my base level, that... Um, I won't say that they wouldn't disgrace themselves, but that they'd survive, that they'd be there. And actually, at halftime, I remember saying that to somebody thought they were in bonus territory because they were level and they'd done, they'd done pretty well. When you look back last year, the exit to Wexford in the All-Ireland Championship, uh, some would say a low, low, low uh, for Cork. So what, what has changed in the intervening six, seven, eight months? I'd say a couple of things. First of all... I suppose the the tradition is that Cork to spring these guys overnight, but actually all those players played in the league and played in the Munster League, so they have some experience and they were able to show they survived. Joe Dean said it last week, league is close enough to championship, so if a guy can survive in the league, you have a reasonable expectation that he can survive in the championship compared to 20 years ago when the league was almost a social event until the, the final and you didn't really have a sense of whether a guy could go. The other one is Gary Keegan's influence, and that's to me, what has been noticed about that is that in all the Cork interviews and in all the distillation of their attitude, that it's very much about the process and controlling, which are all cliches that we're familiar with. But I think Keegan's influence on the younger cohort of players is kind of influencing upwards, if you like. And it was very noticeable to me that Cork stayed focused. And when Tipperary got a fantastic goal, they were able to get two points immediately. And to me, that was the winning of the game because it would have been quite easy for Tip to tack on another couple of points and to push on. Just on Gary Keegan, Michael, you might just explain what exactly his remit, his role is with, with this team. Well, my understanding is that Gary's remit is that he meets the players and management on a regular basis and basically coaches the performance culture within the team, which is, on the one hand, quite a woolly thing unless you're on the inside but is closely aligned to his work with the Irish boxers for many years in creating that winning culture. And, you know, for a, an obvious example of that, it was the attitude of the younger players who weren't overawed and who certainly treated the game, to me, looking on, as just another game. I mean, Mark Coleman's 19 and sold it on the field, bait the ball off the ground, had a look around and picked out Patrick Horgan with a 40-yard cross-field pass, which is... A pretty sensational thing to do in your full Munster Championship debut. And, you know, that's the influence to me of Keegan and Kieran Kingston, who's a very grounded, solid guy, Pat Hartnett, Dearmas, all of those guys. That's the fruit of working with fellas on their attitude. Because if you free the attitude, the skills follow. I suppose credit has to go as well to the development squad culture that has been introduced into Cork in the last 10 years or so. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a constant contradiction that you have people saying that uh, there's no investment in Cork, it's all gone into the stadium, and yet two years ago there was a clean sweep by the Cork hurling squads. Uh, in one weekend they won seven competitions, and last year I think they won four of the seven. So obviously that is improving, and there are very good guys involved. I mean, John Moyler's involved in the under-21s, but he and John Constantine would have brought through a lot of the minor, current minors. So you have good, experienced, intelligent coaches coming. And this is what you're seeing. The likes of Coleman and Fitzgibbon and Mead, who aren't you know big, brawny guys imposing themselves physically, but are good hurlers and who are playing you know, a smart brand of hurling. OK, we were talking so much about the younger players, but I suppose credit as well to some of the more established names, Conor Lahan and Patrick Horgan. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Lehan's potential has always been unlimited. And in a lot of ways, I think I would have said here before, I thought playing him through the middle would be a good idea because he's going to shoot anyway. So you might as well have him shooting from somewhere near the middle. But, you know, he has electric pace. And, you know, I think that'll be one of the big concerns from Michael Ryan, say, come away from the, the way that he wasn't able to protect uh, players without pace in a way that Kilkenny were always able to do very well. Um, you know, leaving Lehan one-on-one with Ronan Maher wasn't a good idea and, you know, Tip suffered as a result. Uh, Kieran Kingston is a man you know well and you deal with on a regular basis, Michael. Again, deserves huge plaudits today given the criticism he and Cork have shipped over the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, losing to Wexford was, was, a, was a terrible result and, you know, you couldn't stand over that. But in fairness to Kieran, I mean, he took up a job that not a lot of people were really that interested in because they saw kind of a barren period coming. You know, to us from the outside, you know, going with the kids look like looks like an obvious choice. But actually, it takes a lot of guts as a manager and as a management team to say, look, we'll go with them. We may not get the return this year, but the next guy in will get the return. And, you know, that, that takes a lot of guts because, you know, these guys are mindful of their position and it would be very easy for them to go with the tried and tested and to go with what you know, an expected level of performance. So even though this morning everyone was saying what a flash of genius it was, you know, there was serious pressure on them. You know, Kieran would, you know, is living in Cork, would be around and would be constantly asked by people how the team are going. So, you know, certainly on a personal level, you know, I'm delighted for him that it worked out because, you know, it was a it was a gutsy call and it worked out. Beating Tipperary, is it is it more special than anyone else? The funny thing is, I think even though there's a rivalry, there really isn't a kind of a toxic bitterness to it. Um, you know, Tipperary have been on top. They're not out of it. I mean, they, they nearly beat Cork yesterday without Bonner Maher. Seamus Callan couldn't have played any hurling for the last three weeks. Um, Jason Ford, that hung over Tipperary's preparations. And I'd say their defence will need a bit of rejigging. But So, you know, they're look, they're a great team. They're still on the, I'd say, anyone's top three to win the All-Ireland, even though it is obviously a bit more difficult and more complicated for them now. But certainly the impression I got before the game and after the game, Tipperary people were disappointed. But a lot of them were genuinely glad to see Cork back because, you know, yesterday was just the greatest advertisement for the Munster Championship you could have probably the year before it gets abolished, which is what inevitably happens any time there's some kind of move to get rid of the Munster Championship, it always serves up an unbelievable uh, series of games. Same in 2004, when there were rumblings, and then you had one of the greatest Munster finals of all time. So I would say Cork people were delighted, but they're delighted not in the sense of kind of up yours to tip, because I don't think that really exists. It's more a sense of, here's a nice, young, attra- playing a team, playing an attractive brand of hurling. We get a few games out of them this summer. It happened to be tipped last, last week, but... No, I think the the thing for Cork is to try and get the team to Crow Park, basically, and to try and win at minor and under-21 level. And then, you know, you will have a sense of uh, a rising tide, I think. OK, final question, though. Is is the biggest job, though, for Kieran Kingston now, keeping a lid on expectations, hosing down the hype that's... Look look nearly at every paper this morning. It's the, it's the front-page story. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Michael Ryan said it. Cork are back. And deep down, I think everyone is, is probably happy that Cork are back because it gives you another hurling team and there aren't that many to begin with. I mean, to me, the big challenge for Cork is that they'll face a totally different game against Waterford. Say, Derek McGrath is already readying, which he has been consistent about in fairness. His speech were Cork having the best forwards in the game. He has been saying that time and time again in fairness. But, you know, the expectations. I remember Donald O'Grady saying a long time that 
there are no targets and there are no plans with Cork. You know, the aim is in all Ireland. So that's not looking ahead, but that's another part of these youngsters' education. It's dealing with this for the next couple of weeks. Everybody's saying how great they are, how fantastic it is to see Cork back. And, you know, that may be that may be the part maybe of your intercounty education. Nobody can prepare you for it. It's a long two or three weeks and I'd say what Kieran Kingston and Gary Keegan will be focusing on is making sure those players don't play that game in their heads two or three times beforehand. And in a funny way, I think the fact that they're so young may be an aid to them because they may be able to park that a little bit easier. I'm not sure if even if any of them are old enough to have jobs. So they may be able to hide at home and stay away from the hype. But yeah, that is that is one no. But Cork, Cork and Waterford... You know, for the last ten, fifteen years, has been a hugely hyped game, no matter what. And you know, it's it's great to have to look forward to know. And that's it for this week's edition of Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. My thanks to our guests Michael Moynihan and to John Fogarty, and as well to the voices that you heard of uh, Michael Ryan, Dermot O'Sullivan, and David Clark. Well, we'll be back again on Friday, and we'll be looking ahead to another hectic weekend of action across the provinces. Cork footballers will be making their championship debut. We'll also be looking to uh, Derry Tyrone and the big game in Leinster in the hurling. It's Dublin v Galway. Hopefully you'll be able to join us for that. And don't forget, you can keep in touch with us via SoundCloud, iTunes or on the Irish Examiner website. Just log on to irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 